so we're not doing that actual introduction introduction right now right no we're just doing our talk about like the the fact that top gun literally made a billion dollars and that's fucking insane we're only you're no shut up we're starting i love it what do you say but i'm gonna leave that in there uh (laughs) literally what like who would have thought one your projection was way low? Bro. I don't want to talk about my projection. Your projection, you're you, you should be weekend. that's so yeah, Ex- literally exiled. the first week. But it's been exiled. like what a month, right? It's been a full month now. It's been a full month. It's at a and it's and it's at a billion dollars already. And that's the first time Tom Cruise has ever done dollars. that. And that's also crazy. I can't believe that a mission impossible hasn't gotten all the way there yet. And as, as cheesy as it sounds, it's the first time since 2018 that four films earned over 20 million in the same weekend simultaneously and that's not in there the ip for that wait so elvis jurassic world lightyear and top gun the black smoke not not like god damn it dude that bums me out (laughs) that's that's a bit of a tease but yeah i mean that's i don't know there's not that's the biggest news that's happened like of the week yeah because that well not many films make a make a billion dollars and i mean it's number 50 of 50. So that's pretty impressive. But yeah, so that's exciting for Johnny and his BOC competition. We're fucked. We're high key fucked. <laughs> Your word. This is the it. first time he's actually like ran away with it. The only reason he won in 2020 because he had Wonder Woman and it's the I'm only thing that sure, truly came out. I'm pretty sure like four of his films came out and those four were the biggest films of the year. Batman, Something like that. Exactly. Batman, Jurassic World and now Top Gun. Yeah. So we've yet to really participate. Well, your films have participated, but they're just... I mean, I got Thor I got Thor coming up. If this is the movie of the summer and how bad August is, I could see this doing two full months in the theaters of just good money. But that's besides not, the point. That's, that's enough of the BOC conversation. Let's get into the show for this week. This is how I win. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. No. No, you. You complete me. I'm the king of the world! have a good sense of humor you're better off dead 69 dudes and welcome back to the sin arrivals podcast folks we have a fantastic episode here for you controversial big episodes of tv to talk about huge episode some may say stole my line man but we have plenty to talk about this week with plenty of people to talk about it with we have bunches of guests this week it's our first fivesome but they're not going to all be at the same time. It is true. This said. is the sin arrival gasm. Yeah. So but, the, the tell arrivals. So this week we decided that since it's the end of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, we have seen the finale episode the end of Star Wars as it is. Yeah. Pretty much the end of uh, all that we know and love. Disney we decided going since downhill it, from here. Right, what? I don't know about Disney that. Plus. Dude. I mean, I can't wait till you watch miss marvel because it's still so up in the air i have no idea how you're going to receive this show you're either going to love it for how like not like the mcu shows it is or hate it because it's too much like the mcu shows and if that makes any sense 
But anyways, I, I pick up what you're putting down. All right. But anyways, we got some guests sitting in the wings and we're just making them sit here silently. We had to bring in some new uh, minds when it comes to the Star Fresh Wars meat. world because you've heard our Star Wars opinions. I love it a little bit more than my boy across the table. Uh, but these two, these two are diehard Star Wars fans, especially in the realm of the TV shows like Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm just very surface level. I've only watched it once. Brent's never seen any of it. So he's when I drop some names, fingered. when I drop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a lot, dude. It's a commitment. I only did it because we were in a pandemic. But to introduce you, first off, we got Harley Whitehouse here. Hello, party people and my fellow Sin Arrival listeners. That's right. Hell yeah, dude. Exclusive uh, audience. And we also have Alec Davison. Hello. How we doing, Sin Rivals? Glad to be with you. Longtime listener of the show. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So first off, I've, obviously you guys are huge Star Wars fans like I teed up, but is there anything, what else do you love in the movie entertainment TV world? What are your favorite things to watch? All right, well, I like to fashion myself a cinephile, but I'm nowhere near the knowledge or breadth of our two hosts over here, but I do enjoy my classic movies and action movies and all of them. And I'm also a major nerd, so I enjoy all the sci-fi say Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Trek. But to Big me, Lebowski. Big Lebowski is my favorite movie. Uh, Brett and I got to you see know, like, Goodman. Yeah, in person. We had a, we had a very fun incredible. night that night. He's just trying One to of the best times of my life. Amazing. Um, but all right. Star Stop blowing us. It's all right. That's great. <laughs> but Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. But Harley, what about you? Do you got as lengthy of a list of, of things you enjoy? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm a new kid on the block. I'm not a big fan of older movies. Please don't sue me. Still have not seen the original Top Gun. Um, Come on, Harley. got to see Citizen Kane. But you haven't seen the original I haven't seen the original or the new one. Oh, my Lord. But I love anything Marvel, Star Wars, comedy. Yeah, um, I didn't even say Marvel, of course. I-Fi. I the record show. Keep it on. Oh, yeah. I'm a big rom-com fan, honestly, too. Oh, that's a good up. one. Nice yeah. to have one in my corner. Exactly. And right now, Stranger Things is, I think, my favorite content oh. right now, besides Obi-Wan, oh, obviously. That's just a masterful oh. show when you guys talk about writer-directors over here. Yeah. The Duffer Brothers? Oh, uh, I cannot wait for Friday. Yeah. Oh, they actually just oh, announced a spin-off. Shit. Yeah, they I saw a spin-off. it. Are they doing a Star Wars movie, too? No, no way. Oh, Dude, they were just a rumor? Time out. They've been giving they Star should. Wars movies to anyone who has had any success in anything because they were going to give it to the Game of Thrones <laughs> people until they fucked up season eight or whatever. And now yeah, they, they gave it to the Wonder Woman lady and then until uh, she had a bad yeah. movie come out. Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, Patty thank Jenkins. you. I still want to see that Rogue Squadron movie. That could have been Top Gun in it's space. space. Yeah, with Star Wars, I think. I really want to see that. That'd be fantastic. I want I'd more like independent Star Wars films. <laughs> <laughs> Way to trash it. Right. <laughs> wow. Uh, but that that being the tee up to our conversation, like I said earlier, the last episode of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that we got on Disney Plus has been released. We've seen it. We've been able to analyze it. We the 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 reception to the show has been high and low, like Shipping. literally every week it's every week it's a different opinion. But like I think the reception as in general is like split right down the middle. You either love this show or you hate this show. Brent, what like what were at the, at the end of the day? Like what what did you think about this episode and then the show in general? Pretty much, uh, I would say the season finale was probably my favorite episode because not to be like oh we were able to close it. I don't have to watch it anymore. More so like. 
we got a good ending with obi-wan for when we see him now in new Hope. hopefully i mean there we're all saying this before we know if there's a season two but i, I really liked what we got to see with obi-wan and with vader and like even though a lot of the middle ground i didn't get i was still pretty satisfied with um with that i do have a i mean you can say a longer list of cons that that strike me more <laughs> but the um one thing I, I would say was my favorite to point out was when the you had the duels take place and the lighting wasn't too dark it wasn't too light like i thought they did a really good job with like the approach to the lifesaver duels and i love the how color. neat it was and there wasn't like jumping back and forth it was just right there and even like the far away shots where you could still see them inside the these worlds that they're fighting on mm-hmm. these planets i thought it was really neat Agreed. I mean, there's so much to love in this show because I really feel like it touches on the thing that the that the, they advertise, which is the relationship and the 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 mental anguish that Obi Wan goes through, learning that his long thought dead apprentice is back and worse than ever, uh, and how he deals with that, and how he redeems himself in a sense, and like faces his fears and goes into this battle headstrong and ready to take on his mistake. And not only do that, but like do that to his absolute maximum. Like we see Obi Wan maybe at his most powerful. He's tossing rocks well, at his well, Also, at the beginning, this yes, a lot of a lot of arguments of Obi Wan being at his most powerful yeah. that we're seeing among the fandom, as you would call it. And I get the argument because it's been ten years since he uses the Force, but like if the force is as tied to the emotions as we are led to believe, it would make sense that in this moment. That's when like Obi Wan's needs. It was his one shining moment. Emotional strength. You're right. No, you're 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 nailing it on the head right there, Brett. The emotion and the power of that being able to control your emotions and use the force for your maximum strength. At this point is life too. There's two things that matters, and that is Luke and Leia, as you could tell throughout the whole show, oh, show yeah. too. And I think he just he just tapped into that that emotional side, obviously, with that when he was throwing the rocks at Anakin, Vader, whatever you want to call him that scene. Mm-hmm. So. So then, yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because the whole Luke and Leia star, that's integral to the story of what Obi-Wan is doing at this time. It's a lot more Leia than, than Luke. That's where you kind of lost me. I think Leia should have been back on Alderaan in like the first couple episodes. And then this show focuses more in on the, even the Inquisitors could have been kicked to the wayside as soon as we saw Darth Vader in episode three. It should have just been a, Vader hunting down Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan trying to escape through this path with these characters. Because I also do, I, I've, I've said it before on this podcast, I was a big fan of them showing the very first seeds of the rebellion with this like underground railroad of Jedi protectors that, that uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character was like in charge of. I loved that stuff. And I loved how Obi-Wan uh, acted with them and how he gave himself up and and knew that like the only reason they were being followed currently was because Vader wanted to hunt him down because he is that intelligent. But yeah, you're, you're correct. I love everything you just said. I agree wholeheartedly. But the, the, the thing is, that's one of my issues with the show. And I want to get to my uh clarifying statement real yeah, quick because i also just get i want to hear your whole general but, like with with pace with the pacing and all of it all like if we i agree we could have returned to leia earlier and focused the story not on just this rescue mission like the whole core of this plot being a rescue mission having to return and uh, rescue the damsel in distress even though leia is never the damsel in distress um but but also she learns not to be in this show which i like but uh, i'll agree also with yes but agreeing with brent too with the dual scene was great but it had some issues with the editing maybe but because they should have just kept on that in my opinion the whole time and not go back to Riva's yeah, side yeah. story it took away from it 
the momentum uh, is. I have a lot of other things, but first off, I just want to, you can hopefully, Brett, edit this in because this will uh, add before all my comments. First off, I want to preface all my commentary with, I know all the performers and technical artists gave their heart, heart and hard work to provide us. I'm going to leave this in I the think middle. this show overall was very fun. It added some great <laughs> embellishing details and character development to some of our favorite Star Wars characters. However, there were some issues with the show that caused problems for the TV show as a show overall and the universe, but still overall wonderful heartwarming show. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree. The, the, the worst part of the, the last episode was the fact that as the action that we were getting on with Vader and Obi-Wan fighting it out, it was cutting back and forth between what was a decent fight with, it was cool seeing Owen and Baru fight. Like finally, uh, Joel Edgerton gets his day of reckoning and like gets to finally do something in Star like Wars. 20 years to do it. Exactly. Uh, so that's great. I do like seeing that, but pulling away from the, in, the like cathartic face-off that we're seeing with Vader and Obi-Wan. The climax of the whole series. Here, yeah, exactly. That's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a good descriptor of the whole series because this series had incredible highs and, but like low lows. And at the end of the day, I think what we get with the character development of Obi-Wan and Anakin and getting the expansion of these characters and now furthering their history, it only does the whole star Wars legacy better. Uh, do you, I mean, Harley, how about you? Do you agree? Like, did you have as big of an issue with the different character plots, like lines and all that stuff? I, I wouldn't say it was a giant issue, but the issue I did have is that it was, the show is, the show is called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know that there's all other Star Wars pieces in Marvel shows that are the same concept and focus on other storylines. But with this, I think that with, Rava and with uh, a little bit of Leia, um, I think it just took away from it. Mm-hmm. Like Brett said earlier in the show, I thought that three episodes was probably more than enough for Leia, even though I think the casting with that was absolutely perfect. I'm sure they'll touch on that later. Incredible. But it was just, it was, it was some pacing issues, I would say, throughout the show. You know, obviously, you get the big fight between um, Obi Wan and Vader at the last episode, I think it was episode three. Yeah. Um, um, one of the outposts for the underground Jedi Railroad. But I wish it would focus more on that relationship through the whole thing, not kind of kept cutting back and forth with it. But I mean, I thought it was, I thought I'll sit there like a child when I was okay. looking yeah, at Revenge gotcha. of the Sith. And See, I, I was Red hoping that was. Harley was going to be just like, the, ah, I fucking love this shit, guys. No, no. <laughs> I'm trying to keep composed on here. I'm no, not it's absolutely. Uh, trying yeah. to be unbiased. Yeah, because of course we love all this. Yeah, that sure, I say, yeah. and there's still like so many fucks in our show. Yeah. But where, where I will admit, I wanted the Inquisitors to be more than they were, but like the fifth brother got fucking shafted after like the third or yeah. fourth episode and we just don't see yeah. him anymore that kind of made me mad i thought and he then was the doing, grand and then amazing. they bring the grand inquisitor back but that's only to appease canon i feel like there was no story reason for them to kill him off and then bring him back like they did i appreciate what they did with the attempt for reva's character because at the end of the day that she wasn't fighting for anyone anyone so, but herself yeah. and but the fact that she wanted revenge and that's very dark that's side so it wasn't like a turn to the pacing of it the show was exactly it was just improperly injected into the show 
Yeah, it was art, seemed artificial. It didn't seem real to the audience. We Because we like all figured episodes. it out after they showed us Order 66 in the very yeah. first minutes of the first episode. Yeah. No, but that was great. That was a great way to open the We've never heard of that is probably also a former Jedi. I'm guessing she's in this fucking temple. I think they wanted to make it pretty obvious, probably. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Exactly. It was, it was but, too obvious, though. I mean, you got to imagine the, the range of people that are watching the show also, too. Kind of got to take that in the factor, mm-hmm. too. But I think just like we're talking about when she pretty much shafted the Grand Inquisitor in the second episode, I think they just got off to a bad start. I was like, everybody that watched Rebels was like, what the heck, you know? Because yeah. obviously Grand yeah, Inquisitor you know is canon, one of the big, exactly, exactly. It's one of the biggest pieces of Star Wars Rebels for the first two seasons. So I think I was off to a bad start with that, but I don't like how it was kind of flip floppy with Rava, how she was going more dark side, more light side, more dark side. I know she was pretty much fighting for herself and revenge, but at the end of the day, there's, I feel like I, I like, like Brett said, I like where they're trying to go with it, but it was just not a refined character was, in the end. Yeah. But it's also looking at it at the end. Now the whole idea where she was going after Vader because he killed all the kids, but at the end of the day, she was still willing to go and do the same. But it came to the point where she did, she saved. She Luke. did, yeah. Oh, I I kind of forgot about that. She yeah. did attempt. Like there was a redemption thing at yeah, the end. She got for a no small, reason. yeah, which out of nowhere just kind of came and, and she went. just gets to go on yeah. her wayside. Because by the time Obi Wan gets down gets down there and to try and save it, save it, Luke himself, like she's, she's walking back. She's herself. walking back with him. It's like, are we going to be? You're not going to get punished or exiled. Like you're just going to be able to walk away yourself too. After that, the, yeah. I've I've issued my biggest issue is how did she survive in the first place. How did she survive Order 66? We see her get stabbed as a youngling. Well, no, well, we did don't, she get we stabbed? Know. We don't know. We, we don't see her. Maybe we don't. But the way that direct, then that's confusing directing. Because the yeah, way. But that- no, there's one point, it looks like she gets stabbed in one of the flashbacks, too. But they'd say, yeah, but- she says she played dead within the corpses. Yeah. Which is when she did the same with Darth Vader. She, didn't she just lay dead once he left to make. Well, I, guess I guess so. Yeah, that's what they're prefacing or um, alluding to. Excuse would me. Would you. um? What do you guys think of the little tease we got at the very end, though, with Liam Neeson returning as Quan? Loved it. I, that was my get, ch- ch- most childlike composure of the episode. I was crying and jumping and clapping in the air. I was so happy to see Liam. It felt Neeson. very tacked on. Yeah, it felt incredibly last minute and tacked on. And exactly, they should have used it more for the episode of the story overall. Think about this comparatively. The moment we got with Luke in Mandalorian ep- or season two. When he comes in, getting that legacy character back in here, they just, he gets two words. And I think they could have made it even that much more impactful if they gave him that moment when he was using the force to try to keep the rocks at bay from being crushed. That's when the conversation with his former master should have been had. And then he, and then that thrusts him into the victory. I think what they're trying to tease at though is that we're going to get a, a ghost Jedi spinoff series. A buddy gonna, cop show with, with Liam Neeson and Obi Wan, where they go around, where they ride around on Tatooine on their camel thing, and like one of them's a ghost. Fuck, I'm here for it. That'd I'm be here awesome. for it. Yeah. Solving solving the mysteries, and they the go course. find the ghost of Jar Jar Binks, oh and they go God. hang out with him. This is a lot. Does anybody know? <laughs> that wasn't. I think canonically, is... he died in Force Awakens when they take out the the like the Senate. Galaxy, um, New with, Republic, uh, yeah, the New with Republic, the, in yeah. the uh, with, with the, the Star. God, what's that thing called? Star Lord Base or no? Star Killer Base. Star Killer Star, Base. Yeah, yeah. Still nice. a dumb name, but New Trilogy. Well, we're not we're not talking about the New Trilogy over here. Yeah, yeah. How good the writing. We'll talk about the New Trilogy. Yeah. What other things I want to bring up too? Uh, so when Liam Neeson came on scene, 
the junction, like the between the, the two, um, whatever the little canyon right there, yeah. was that part of the most Espapot race? Because that's that, that was, that's yeah, what I really thought, thought, thought of. That was, was Beggar's Canyon. Bring, oh, I thought that was the canyon where Luke inevitably meets. Oh, no, that's Beggar's Canyon. Bag, it, there it is. This is why. See, I'm a I'm very prequel centered. He knows he knows old stuff more. He's yeah, he's prequels, Clone War centric. Alex got like. If you ask him about vehicles, dude, he could tell you like ship numbers and shit. It's crazy. Oh, wow. I just had those books growing up as a kid. Right. But yeah, I, right. let me talk about some of uh, the things I liked. Well, here, I, yeah, because I want I want to hear things you like from the entirety of the series, so like any of your yeah, favorite move, moments. Moving on from the, yeah. I, so I think so, I've said this already, but just the performances of you, Ewan McGregor. Oh, please. Oh, yeah. Bow down. Bro. Wait, Come wait, on. Wait, wait, easy, Great How actor. does he go no from, question. he went from Christian in Moulin Rouge to this, bro. It's yeah. fantastic. It's, it's in the same year. <laughs> wait. Or like a year apart. Because 2000, like 2001 and then 2002. It was, was 2002? I believe so. It's t- the Mulan route. No, 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 not not by far. But the, we're talking about because he was in the Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn. <laughs> he, he's like either. in four movies a year right now. But yeah, go on, yeah, please. Also, Hayden Christensen's performance. I mean, come on, he gave such a for, emotional for what he got to do. In the few scenes they showed him, they did not. They underutilized him again, mm-hmm. like they underutilized Vader and other things. But at least they didn't make fun of him this time around, like they did in you know the bridge overall the bridge the show is a great bridge between the prequels and the sequels it Um, does add some character development i mean at the show i think it's gonna be season two they're probably gonna go through mall like i think they're gonna do that and rewrite that canon to rebels from you think they're gonna rewrite obi-wan killing mall on tatooine and rebels well, maybe not rewrite it, but just like reintroduce it in live action if that makes any sense. They gotta tie something with um we'd love to see that. Gosh, what's that movie called? Solo. Because like you do oh, a little bit of graying of, of, of Ewan's yeah. hair and he can look like the animated version. What, of Alec they they call them something crimson, right? Oh, oh like Crimson Dawn. The Crimson Dawn, yeah. 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 So that's a different that's a different topic though. Oh it is. Oh whoops. Oh no. Yes. Goes to show goes to show you just, my depths. Just talking <laughs> right. about tying everything with Maul. I'd say also overall the flashbacks were great of the show. I mean, honestly, the show was the at its best when it was reminding us of the prequels or the sequels, not of its own story in the moment, but we were at most enjoying the show in the past and the future. A fair. And that, uh, that doesn't have to be the case for every Star Wars story. I just think that's what's the way they chose to go. Like you were saying, with all the, it's a confluence of factors. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think another, there was... <sighs> Some of the lines that they were just like pulling from the prequels, like you're saying, like like throwing back, I think just like we're too on the nose and they could have done a better job with the screenplay in the sense of like incorporating those little homages and the quotes and lines from the prequels into the story. And it wasn't just like, oh, here's a line, there's a line, here's a line, there's a line. But I, I get that. So. I mean, I think my favorite part might still be the fight on episode three where Vader is just like ruthlessly pulling Obi-Wan through the flames, like in like a full ironic like moment of revenge that that's still great. I mean, I love, love, love the fight at the end of this last episode. I think. I don't know. What about you, Harley? Were there any like specific moments I need my memory to be jogged? I think the one that really sticks out for me is. This is 
I saw a meme about this today, but it was when I think it was episode two when Obi Wan was walking the streets of that criminal underworld looking for Leia, and mm. we got a five hundred first trooper that we think was sitting on the ground, oh. and in my mind immediately went to Rex. Rex. Jesse's obviously dead. I hope to God Fives that's not Rex. That'd be sad. Yeah, as shit. I know. It's but that's Rex. a he's one thing that comes to mind. He's on Endor, the Battle of Endor. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, end of uh, episode six. Oh. But no, the scene where. Raven tells um, Obi-Wan that Vader Anakin is still alive and he gets on the ship. You can just see his face and they're kind of flashing yeah, back with Vader and the back to tank. You can see like the hope, anguish, pain, anger, like just I think that was one of the best pieces. Of, I'm not a I'm not a very big movie or acting person, but I can tell that was good acting. You know, I can tell when I see it. But you got a singer. You got on the money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. And then just the 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 fighting episode three too you can see vader's power in that mm-hmm. kind of like just how we saw in um rogue one just how he was just oh, piecing everybody scene. just he vicious yeah. yeah bro when vader's walking through the streets and he's like just yeah, lifting just, oh, people out yeah. of bars yep. snapping necks throwing people out yep. like well, across the way insane it's like yeah, 11 for stranger things so that was real vader that's how vader is finally vader, the, yeah. the greatest villain of all time yeah. like if you really think about it the amount of stuff he does in the original trilogy is weak sauce like yeah. he's they make him out to be an imposing figure but they actually show us that imposing figure well, in this bad. show and in yeah. Rogue they show One. Metal in the so comics, fucking good. In the video games, the expanded universe, as yeah. they used to call it. Crazy. They Thank so God for technology. That's what it's due to also. In yeah. the comic books, like, shout out to the outfit Obi-Wan was wearing, which is like a very popular yeah, young Tatooine yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan yeah, outfit yeah, with the goggles and the vest and the hood and stuff. Yeah. A lot of good Easter eggs <laughs> in the show. So I like that they're embracing the stuff that they took away from the canon and re-adding, adding the good stuff so that's great on top yeah. that was season two that moment when they're about to fight and there's that like quick jump scare with vader and he has his lightsaber popped up and like that was a really good like oh shit he's right there right mm-hmm. in front of obi-wan we're like i didn't think oh have the yeah guts to go that, oh and that i think scare. that's episode three two, two, i think it was episode three, three, yeah. three, three yeah. Yeah. right before yeah. their fight and right then right obi i love when obi-wan's just like he doesn't even hear anything, but he turns yeah, and he ignites his right lightsaber yeah. because he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Where? Doesn't so, have the force. I, it's it's yeah. so menacing to how he's go ahead, Alec. No, it's so menacing to how he's just walking through the streets. So cut clear, slow, just peace everybody. And then this scene where they're sneaking around, like kind of the rocks and mining facility there, how Vader just keeps popping out of nowhere. Just how like, I don't know if it's quickness or just like strategic how he's moving around, but I thought well, that was it, an awesome scene re- too. Remember in the very fr- in the in the Phantom Menace, you see like the first time you see Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan, they just like zip down the hall. It like yeah. super they showed super- how real Jedi have that Jedi. But, like yeah. Jedi have these like powers. Yeah, that, like, they very rarely show because we always see old guy Jedi. So, this, so then, how, how do you think they would do at the NFL Combine? Pretty good, right? Right. The vertical, well, dude, the, the vertical, vertical would be pretty would goddamn be insane. good. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, my favorite favorite winners. Part. Can let me pick up on a thing Harley said real quick earlier about Darth Vader and his power. Um, I think episode five when we get Reva trying to fight him and we see how oh. powerful he is. Oh, and yes, dominate her. That's just a great juxtaposition next to what Bro, we see. He doesn't. Sense. He's like I'm not when even. Obi Wan beats him. Yeah. Well, he was also uh, holding. He, was he the- is powerful. He's very yes. powerful. Yeah. Can we talk about the, sh- the the part where he held the ship down yeah. and just ripped it the shreds? Mm-hmm. That was, I think, that was crazy. It shows the his power of his power yeah. because that 
was what City power, the raw power. was telling him the entire time in the prequels is that he is the most powerful. He could be the best Jedi of them all. He is the strongest. The And like if he just touches and like gives into that primal emotion and that raw fear that he can do that much more. And like we're finally seeing that much more. So I can't like I can't I can't good natured or good heartedly give this anywhere close to a negative review because the stuff we're getting with Obi-Wan and with Darth Vader is the best Star Wars stuff I think I've seen in a very long time, especially when we're talking about characters that we already know and love. I love me some Mando. I love me the the the, the stuff we get in that show. But then Boba Fett was a little bit lesser when it comes to like how they got the character development to like fully be on display. This, this is character growth. This is now we've now know more about their story and it adds to the legacy that they have established as one of the greatest franchises of all time. Beautiful. Especially yeah, people our age it. too. Episode it episodes is, one, yes. two, and three. It's we grew up on that yeah. stuff as Star Wars fans. I think that adds as much so much as I more to it. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were born a different time. God, as much as I fucking hate the prequels, I fucking love Come the on. prequels. Uh, uh, put past the dialogue and some of the, the romantic scenes and and the Jar Jar farts. The I hate sand. Oh, I love sand. <laughs> is I love sand? Which one is it? No, it is no, I no. hate <laughs> sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. No, one of the other parts, too, kind of relating it back to the prequels. I went absolutely crazy um, with the fight in the last episode when Obi-Wan cut open Vader's helmet. Yeah. And we heard yeah. Hayden Christensen's voice. Yeah, sure. I thought it was one of the coolest coolest things ever i love how it was fading in and out from like james earls to him which was like also kind of subconsciously showing that there is still anakin inside of vader but the moment where vader says you didn't kill anakin i did that is like the direct callback to the reasoning why obi-wan was like darth vader killed your father in episode four when he told luke skywalker they showed him it makes so much sense now he says in episode five, it's true. Well, I did. He says from it is an absolute view, true statement. He said what? he clarifies in episode five or episode six, excuse me, in uh, Return of the Jedi. He said, You told me my father was dead. He's like, He was dead from a certain point of view, right? Exactly. And this just redefines that in like a perfect wow. sense, right here, right? Uh, yeah, what Harley said, it was just again back to the actors, Hayden Christian, uh, Ewan McGregor, great emotional performance from the short time they had on screen, right there, but. That was really just so compelling and emotional for me as an audience member. And I've watched that again and again. I've seen YouTubers, shout out to Star Wars Theory, a stupendous wave, Generation Tech. Um, they've had some great analysis on this stuff, but seeing the eyes when you saw Vader's eyes and it was going back from blue to black. So the blue represented Anakin's identity and the black. And you could even see the blue black. reflection of yeah, the white Yeah, the white color is kind of Darth Vader. Uh, that's not present shadowing that's a term but present shadowing who is like in the body right now yeah, like he's basked in the red Anakin. glow yeah he's basked in the red glow but you can see that little bit of blue coming off of the reflection of his suit and off his eyes from the the lightsaber that obi-wan's holding and i'm like that it's poetic filmmaking why couldn't the show be more that was, of that that was one of the probably the best best scene of the whole series and i could deal with all yeah, the issues which i have and i am <clears throat> Because we have that scene. Such a great addition to Star Wars. 
it feels like the antithesis of the moment that they had on Mustafar, where they're like, you were the chosen one, Anakin. And he's like, you're gone. That was their final conversation in that sense. This is their final conversation, at least we're led to believe, until they meet again in A New Hope. Yes. So that, I think they left it off on an incredible, perfect note. And I was about to kind of on that. As much as I want a season two, I don't just because right. of what could happen. I have full faith in Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor to peacefully, masterfully do it. But then again, you gotta have a, you gotta have a, make a whole season full of shit that correlates with the story that they just had with Rebels and with A New Hope and the New A New Hope Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi too. You know what would have been amazing? Because now that everyone's like, oh, we love Hayden Christensen, he can absolutely be Darth Vader. If I've always loved him, him, for the, the record. record. Let's record that as well. I've never seen that. No, hear me out. A bunch of girls that was, <laughs> loved it. They're, obvious, they're making Ahsoka the like whole Rebels season five, like where is Ezra, where is Thrawn sort of situation. If they had set the timeline of Ahsoka back before what do you not know we could have gotten a season two or a season of that show where she gets to re-interact with vader again who says we aren't though with the second season of obi-wan dude flashbacks i feel like he's already confirmed in the show that's what i'm telling you yeah we need a younger rosario my understanding he's confirmed in ahsoka hating christensen i don't know that confirmed is the right word to use did you so, see it on Facebook? Because they haven't even confirmed that. Did you see it on Facebook? Like my, the the guy who played Aladdin is apparently rumored to be playing Ezra, and that's so that's not even confirmed. I I highly doubt that the whole hating Christians thing, thing has been confirmed. Okay, then some of my YouTubers are leading me wrong, but I if we get them, I think it'd be most likely seeing flashbacks between them as a master and apprentice in the Clone Wars, which would be awesome. Oh, here's a question to. as big fans of the Clone Wars, because I know this was a lot of complaints for a lot of people. Were you disappointed that you didn't get any like Clone Wars flashbacks where they're generals leading armies of clones like doing the shit? Absolutely. I think we should have gotten at least one of a more like and it could have added to the emotion, too, of them, like maybe Anakin rescuing Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan rescuing Anakin and them having this really like positive emotional. Yeah, but there's emotion, already you know. so many episodes of that. See, I, I don't I don't that's, that's I don't not, disappoint not is the right word. I don't think disappoint is the right word would have added to it. Yeah, just because that's kind I of think, where I am. Yeah, every Star Wars away. fan. More of yeah. the Leia and Luke storyline, exactly. Yeah, yeah. or the Reva stuff. Like, yeah, literally. Kind of setting up maybe the maybe news, if Leia would have hurried up and fucking opened that door that while she was crawling years. around in yeah. the vent, we could have had time for a freaking flashback. That made me so mad. No, I think that I, run in episode two, that chase scene. So just, she can run super so dumb. She can run faster than any person in the galaxy, but she can't fucking plug in a thing really quick. That's oh my god, we talk. I'm just kidding. We talk about. First thing was episode two, Raven jumping between buildings that looked awful. And then Hardcore, when Leia, yeah. Leia got kidnapped, the yeah. little band of thugs that were running after Leia on Alderaan looked childish and dumb. I'm sorry. Some guy got pieced by I a think, tree branch. I, you know, I think this, I said this last week. I think this is the problem with the volume, the thing that they shoot in. It just doesn't feel as like real and tangible, the environments that they're yeah. in. So well, when they're, they're like jumping set, around and location. leaping around, a set that's like this weird bubble thing with the it just maybe it just feels kind of off because it's it's a tone that like i feel with all of the star wars shows that i don't ever feel with the star wars movies 
That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. I would think that's a. I'd like to counter that, not counter, but add to that by saying, on top of that, with the CGI and like not the non-practical effects, you also have the music and the scoring, which is not the real Star Wars like films that we have. We're not having John Williams. I mean, where's we had one John Williams like theme at the end in Episode Six? We got uh, the Imperial March with Vader, and that was great. But where is my John Williams music? It's there in the last episode at the very like said, end. Yeah, we get the Imperial March. But, but, well, and, but you also get you get the Obi-Wan theme. There was just there was not enough like use Art. of the emotional scoring. Dude, the, 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 you, you, you just watched it though. You didn't I would go score, back and rewatch that because you're I I, I don't the know. The score during the fight is like I don't think it is John Williams, it's, but it's, it's no, like but very it's John Williams. It's the best we get of the whole show, and it's still. I would just say it's because I on YouTube someone put that whole scene, the duel together to the duel of the fates that they just play in episode three. Oh, that's good. That music to that scene is just cool. epic. Mm-hmm. No, it is. It's. I think it's. So it's, I highly recommend you guys going and searching for that. Just nah, I mean, I love the story. Fates, Star Wars that, community. That score. They, they will put anything together to make more fan friendly. Yeah, and they made it like fan hours friendly. after the episode, yeah. you know. I think one of the hardest parts about the show too is how they portrayed Alderaan, how we actually got Alderaan content now. I oh yeah, it I made, mentioned this. Yeah, it made it made great. episode four so much harder. Dude, it is that, absolutely going to make it that yeah. much harder. It's Especially great. Yeah. Poor Bail Bail Organ and his his hot wife got. I know. Up. Somehow that dude keeps getting older when we see him earlier in his life. It's crazy. <laughs> He's got the Benjamin Button disease. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I guess any last thoughts? We pretty much covered everything. I can't think that we miss everything. We've talked well, about I mean, pros, cons. I, well, I was gonna say, like, with you guys having more knowledge and depth than I do, like, what do you want to see next? Like, not just with Obi Wan. I want like, to. I story wise, that Star Wars could be worth telling through six episodes on on the TV. I got one. I got one too, and I, mine's really quick. The fact you that they first. teased Quinlan Boss and the fact that they teased him going around and helping the people like getting the Jedi like in the younglings into safety. I want a Quinlan boss is Harriet Tubman in the star Wars underground railroad, the TV show, the series. Hello. Ben. On that point, on that note too, I want to see his relationship with Obi-Wan because in the clone Jason wars, Momoa to play Quinlan boss. Perfect. No, because in the clone wars, when they are on, um, God, Alec, what is the planet of the huts? Now, Hutta. now Hutta. That episode in the Clone Wars with Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan is top, I think that's top like relationship bonding content on that too. But what I want to see next is the next season of Rebels, which it which might be a Ahsoka. culmination of Ahsoka Mando season three. That's what I want to see next, just because that's newer Disney Star. That was, I think, Disney's Four. first or second um. I think Star Wars project, I think it was its right? First true yeah. independent yeah. project. But I want to see that because that is the one of the biggest cliffhangers I think in Star Wars history. Well, I definitely um, think season three of Mandalorian is going to be like the Bo Katan yeah. fight for who the claim to Mandalore yep, on Mandalore. and stuff like that. While also Mando's going to like the secret caves to redeem himself and get yep. his creed. Well, they go the the springs with, of Mandalore in his little. Uh, Nabooian starfighter with his uh, backseat driver. Oh, and that that is badass. Just I, I lost my shit with that too. Seeing the um, and one starfighter come back. Oh, it's so good. Very interesting, in my opinion. Any hardly any other because I, I agree with your your points. I'd love to see those. Your great comment, the finale, 
a cliffhanger that's more story that we can I got tell one more too. It, he's got sure. he's got it right here. The Lego N1 Starfighter <laughs> with a little crazy bitch on um, yeah, the Tatooine. I got a little Lego awesome. Amy Sedaris. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> oh the other one too, oh, I want to see what they do with Maul. Do you know what the, the difference? Solo. I thought it was bullshit. They just left us. There's yeah, a difference between yeah. this Mando on this set and the Mando I got with the Razor Crest. The Mando the under armor. the Razor with the Razor Crest. Uh, if you take off its helmet, it's just a black head. They finally put a face on him. I'm glad they finally put a face. Damn Disney. Because they didn't want to spoil like the whole yeah, thing when they put yeah. out the Lego set originally. Well, see, that um, this one has Beskar, too, on his arm. Right, yes. doesn't. That was a cool yeah, touch. I'm a giant Lego fan, too. So. Oh, absolutely. That's why I brought it over. But, yeah. All right, boys. Uh, I would say the one thing I'm excited for um is like how we got rogue one some independent and we were talking about uh earlier with patty jenkins independent future stories the star wars universe is vast and we need to tell as, more as, as you just say that our next material for that is going to be andor on august 31st we're getting, we're getting oh that we that's are getting quick. that before Ahsoka. that's going to be awesome holy Love shit is this year too? i think it's the well i think I thought the the this year during holiday season was going to be Mando season three, but I think that is when we're that's. I guess so March of February, next year, February, right? February, February twenty twenty three. We're gonna yeah, get Andor, like six episodes, uh, and we're gonna get uh, what Tales of the Jedi. I'm looking forward. Oh, so I'm yes. excited for that one. See a young, yeah. um, young Qui Gon Jinn. No, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And what we saw from Andor looked super promising, so I'm very excited. I think Andor that. is gonna be awesome. I think I can, whoever the actor is the. Whoever's Diego Luna. Diego Luna. I love him from Narcos and then within Rogue One. So I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's military and politics. Some of my two. Yeah, yeah we get to see the the Imperial Imperial Senate on Coruscant. Yes. I am the bummed. It will no longer be of any concern to us. I've just received <laughs> word that the Emperor's done away. I am, I am bummed that Alan Tudyk isn't a part of that series. They like confirmed that. Uh, K2SO. K2SO isn't going to be in the show. That's where they met. Also, kind of going back to, I was looking through the Obi-Wan cast today. Palpatine's listed as Sheev Palpatine on IMDb, I think, for this the series. I thought that was kind of cool. Why isn't he? Because usually you see Emperor Emperor Palpatine or um, Chancellor Palpatine. Well, Sheev Palpatine's real name. I mean, not that we're going to add probably add this to the podcast, but yeah. It's funny. I know it's a funny word. But yeah, oh, we didn't even say that. Great seeing the Emperor and Vader interact. I mean, come on. <laughs> Did you see his hands? I didn't notice his hands at the end. <laughs> like a little. That's true. I saw it. I, that's I true. Both. I like that both Vader and Obi Wan end the series speaking to their like mentors. I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Thing to point out, Brett. Yeah. Parallels, baby. Great parallel. All right. I think that's about as much as we can talk about this show without just repeating ourselves consistently. We definitely have varying opinions, like in the sense that each one of us saw the the great moments and the great aspects of this show. And each of us had our individual problems, most of which we all collectively share similar issues with. But I, I like, I like we've been saying in general, this show did accomplish the mission i think it set out to do and that was once again give us more character development to these characters we've known and loved since 1970 absolutely absolutely yeah so i i mean i gotta say fantastic having you guys on i knew you both would be knowledgeable and very well spoken on this subject so it was a perfect topic i think maybe we gotta get you guys back for the either season premiere or maybe the finale of andor 
my, my, I do feel a little bad. We got our couple of our force bros missing out on this one. So we'll also That's have to true. get Michael and Chube on an episode. We'll Shout do a whole Michael force bros episode. Kobe, if you're listening to this, watch the damn shows on time. <laughs> also, listen to the podcast if you don't listen to this. Fuck you, Chew. Yeah, dickhead. <laughs> All right. Damn. Is it's there anything you guys want to like say before we head out? Yeah, pleasure to be with you guys. Love the podcast. Great talking uh, movies, TV shows with you all. Happy to do it again. Yeah, Personally, looking yeah. forward to it. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, when we get back, you need to come do one in person. For sure. I've been waiting to do this for a long time, so thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brent. And may the force be with you all. Hey, may the force and be also with, with you. you. Shout out, Gibby. Yeah, yeah so that will be what there is with uh, with Obi-Wan. We'll... <laughs> it, it, I mean, we took quite a pause. I was trying to remember what did we just talk about? But no, yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see if there's any news of a season two finale or season two to come. If it is, we'll we'll break it to you, you know, when we hear about it. But Whoa, stop slamming your phone on the table, bro. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be able to. I'll live. I'll live. Um, but that's going to lead us into the next big TV uh, episode that happened this week, and and yeah, so like huge, just you know, parental guidance advice as was brought to you, like first image on the screen. But the boys finally had their hero gasm episode, and as anticipated as one might say i i feel like jack seth rogan jacking off to completion was more graphic than that whole episode. I, exactly yeah at least he had and, and he had his shirt off and everything but here so here guys but it was still fucking graphic and people fucking and heroes in the background and, and dildos and come and a wiener that stretches like mr fantastic uh yeah just graphic but more so not graphic in like a i guess you could say um uh, like an erotic thriller Bro, it's way like, and if you've it's ever comedy. turned on hbo at three in the morning it's what that's it's, more, no, it's that. more showtime after dark hbo yeah, at least yeah. hbo Cinemax. puts yeah hbo puts some meat on there it's like mr skin you remember that back in the day yes but anyways <laughs> revealing a lot about ourselves here um but the episode was still very important outside of the hero guys and we learned like obviously why they're going there but we get pretty uh some of the i would say once again very little homelander but what we get of homelander is right. still so fucking strong like i mean Anthony star is fantastic in this just anti-hero yeah. villain like he's on the boat he's on the best of both worlds right now being able to to be so menacing and not having much screen time to where when he does he he owns it and this is probably the first time in the entire series where we've seen his weakness but he is still able to turn it to something that's like i'm still fucking scared of this guy i mean after all that being said about it like how the we weren't blown away by how sexual like sex was. we were we were we wanted to be visually penetrated well, by this yeah. episode and we wanted to be scarred for life yeah. that's kind of how they were setting this up to be but all, but i still think at the end of the day this is maybe the most quintessential episode of the boys that there's ever been because yeah. it takes everything that like makes the boys the boys like the insane graphic violence mm -hmm. the insane graphic nudity and sexual content uh, the also insane character development and relationships between the characters yeah. like Billy and Mother's Milk and their conflicting ideologies at this moment with their similar desires to stop their respective superhero. And then also you have Huey and Starlight's relationship that's hitting like a very hard 
stop for no reason for no reason there's not no reason because you gotta like i feel for huey being the weaker in the relationship and the fact that he was okay with that at the beginning of the season makes sense but so much has happened to them since and he has to feel like he can defend himself at least a little bit so i get what he's doing there i get both sides of the thing and that stuff's so great but this show just does everything right like really like yeah we were a little disappointed with the lack of what we were scarred by in this episode but they do everything in this show great this is maybe the coolest superhero fight scene i've seen in a very long time maybe even since endgame so this is insane i also love that we learned that soldier boy was betrayed by black noir i love that like we've yes, learned yeah. so much about that character in season like he, three he's they've held off so his... much yeah from the other prior season, two seasons, and they're finally giving us his backstory. He was around in the 70s when they were doing mm-hmm. the like whole payback superhero team sort of thing. And now we learn that he's the reason why Soldier Boy was given to the Russians in, in that sense. So yes. that's insane. Uh, and I think that's going to aim both Soldier Boy and Homelander at Black Noir at some point well, in it, this show. And it levels up that character because right. we haven't really had a lot of Black Noir since the first season. Like I right. felt like season two was a little like he wasn't there at all right. but but i, I uh, getting what we got with soldier boy like they're able billy huey and soldier boy have homelander pinned down and they're about to unload the weapon to basically destroy it and and homelander was able to escape but i get the like uh, the minimal second um to fly off and it was so like kind of neat to see that that they almost had it but they didn't and now we have two episodes where the tension is going to be higher. Uh, the adrenaline between, you know, both of these forces coming head to head might lead to another just epic fight. And like, I thought that fight scene with Homelander, Soldier Boy and uh, but, but Billy. like And Huey for and that. Hu- and then Huey came in. It just reminded me of that quick with uh, Civil War with Winter Soldier, Iron Man and Captain America. Wow. I felt like the hand to hand combat was but so al- on point. But also BVS. In the sense that yeah. it's like it's a superhero versus or a Superman versus Batman type situation too. Yeah, it's well, this really was crazy. Like the three on three, but then right. and then yeah, I forget who he did pop in there. But but I mean, it was a it was a, overall like I thought the episode. Was oh, good. I see what you're saying. Yeah, overall the episode is really uh really neat. Um, and it just kind of shows you the strength that Amazon has with this, and they're willing to put everything. And the star power, dude. The the beginning of the episode, they parody the fucking imagine thing from the pandemic that Gal Gadot did. That's right. They had people like like me, uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher and Josh Gad, Elizabeth Banks, Kamala Nanjiani. I feel like those people were in the Imagine video. I feel like they were already there. They were just mocking it and inserting. No, I feel like all. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I maybe. Wait, I Rose Byrne, Aisha Tyler, mm, Pat Pat Oswald didn't do that. No, Pat, no, Pat Oswald. Patton had to be in addition. I feel like these people were in on the joke. I feel like they didn't do the original. These are all comedians. Okay, well, it's, it's, comedians it's were kinda, talking shit on it the whole time. It's kind of looking like it. Oh wow, I forgot Will Ferrell was in it. Wow. Okay, yeah. So it looks like it was different. That's funny. That's great. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But then it's also like the deep and black noir holding up a sign at the end. It's so fucking funny. It it just reminds me like how freaking cringing that time was. It also reminds me of how socially like 
on the nose at uh, satirically this show can be at times. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. It's so well written. It's so smart at the things that it's saying. Well, we just had a like a lot of content last year that was very meta on its approach to storytelling, and then here we are now, and the boys are doing it um, at a really creative level that is just neat to see. And like I said, I mean, Amazon has gold here and there's no reason to stop it mm-hmm. um it's going to be exciting to see what we get in these last two episodes but i mean i know the show can make you feel dirty and this episode was probably the most of that um but maybe these next two we just get just hardcore action and and i really hope we don't end on a cliffhanger we haven't had that yet i feel with this show so i hope we get some type of some type of like just uh really kinda good resolve did. we kind of did with the senator and that like the head popping thing well we we knew it was her though it wasn't right. a cliffhanger but we just we knew it was her and it confirmed some other things right. in that regard but but yeah i mean it's a, it's a great show i mean I, I i love seeing this cast i feel like they have some really strong chemistry and um we'll we'll see what the, and the thing i liked about this show too is they don't tease you next week's episode at all like you have to wait till till yeah. you get to it and i and i find that really enjoyable because i will spoil a lot of things uh my way sure sure um i think something we shouldn't forget to talk about uh is a train's gonna fucking die i hope so but like i'm glad he finally did something yeah i'm not liking his storyline i'm glad he used his powers and finally like just thrashed and like literally dragged his ass across the concrete i thought that was more graphic than the orgy than the herogasm no but like i'm he did something about it but like he did it for maybe all the wrong reasons and also he's no better because he's been in the other guy's shoes because he killed fucking robin and huey finally gets to confront him all powered up and that was fucking cool you finally got to stand up to a train even though a train like gave a genuine apology you start to see his little bit of redemption i don't I don't outright hate his subplot, but like they definitely like needed to go somewhere. And like, well, like I said, they were really on the nose with what they were doing with Blue Hawk. But like, I still enjoy what they did with the character. Yeah, um, that will kind of conclude what we have with um, with the boys and with the TV area, you know, our corner and whatnot. Like, I, and, I, and I will go without knowing, like, um, yes, Westworld season four did premiere last night, but I think we're uh, with how frustrating that show's been and how confusing it gets with the way I've those stories tell it, the first season's really good and it's gone downhill but like that might be something that i will just myself summarize when we get close to um when we actually have the season finale uh this mm-hmm. way we don't have because we're trying to limit our tv i know we brett and i actually just like kind of mapped out what we had cup coming and there's not a whole lot so we want to start getting more into movie content and that's um going to lead us into right our brent and brett go to the movie segment and we uh you know we we had some films this week like we said uh this weekend we had the most uh gross over 20 million in a in a while and another box office led film that wasn't um pre-existing ip to say the least i mean um elvis is a new new material new content and we also had the black phone uh we're going to talk about the black phone first the scott dickerson uh oh sorry scott derrickson derrickson uh and scott dickerson i don't fuck dickerson i know yeah we got the baseball game on it has nothing to do with That's that very right funny. but uh and then also ethan hawk now um this film very uh very like the reviews rotten like rotten tomatoes but like all the critics like everyone's just fucking lying so high <laughs> so, so high like more high than my co-host on how great this I film know. was <laughs> and i just 
I, I don't know. Like we watched this together and we were honestly com- probably most more bored out of our minds than we were imagining for a horror film. And it, it and wasn't it even tact- like it so tactics. bad. It was good because there were just so many ridiculous leaps in logic and the dialogue was garbage, but trash. The None of the kids talked like kids at all. No, there's no. like weird supernatural things happening that are just unexplained like the how the fuck the black phone even works we never figure that out but or, or we don't even we don't even know like the condition that ethan hawk character the grabber really has like he's just a guy that can't we don't right like, they kind of make it out it. to be like a split thing yeah. where it's like a, a, a whole split personality, personality th- sort, sort of deal that, never never really gone no. into detail they spend a lot of time like showing us how he kidnapped various different kids in a vintage style camera filter that yeah. was just too choppy for my liking. It was, dude. There were some, there were weird fade cuts when they was mm-hmm. like when the kids were walking down the sidewalk that just felt unnecessary. This is a perfect example of someone trying to do something with something, and that something is just not there. Yep. There's just nothing to and, what he was making. And like you said, with with the way the dialogue dialogue is and the children actors. Um, there is so much children violence in this film and not even just the plot. Oh, an insane yeah. amount of kid on just kid violence, adult on kid with, violence, yeah. kid on adult violence. Yeah. It's insane. The, I mean, obviously the plot of, you know, him, Ethan Hawke's character kidnapping these kids and killing them, but we don't even know why he kills them. That's and the we only thing. get to, we don't see him kill any of them. Yeah. There's, and there's hardly, there's maybe a couple, you know, jump scares without the loud music. And that's something that just becomes part of Derrickson's model. I mean, I can't decide what was more far-fetched. The whole girl with the dream thing where she gets a dream about the wrong fucking house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it really didn't, she didn't help it even in the slightest. Or when this kid swings at a baseball that he clearly swung over the top (laughs) of and it goes over the fucking (laughs) fence in the next cut. Like, dude, they didn't they really didn't take good care of like the actual production of this film. They it felt super rushed. I mean, like Blumhouse is one of those production companies that oh, are just made, like, it's, it's we're going to throw money yeah. at like a couple thousand dollars at you. And if it makes money, great. If it doesn't and eh, we only gave you a little bit of money, who cares? Mm-hmm. So that's cool. But you get projects like this and. I, I don't I really don't understand how some people like this movie. It, the, like, I, I don't know. Uh, you're wanting to be scared in films like this. And at the same time, you know, with us, you kind of want it to also make sense. And we kind of got like none of that in a way. I mean, it just it's all over the place. Uh, I don't even think super convoluted. There's, there's, you know, a spoiler aside, but something happens at the end with the with the uh, the main kid character that gets kidnapped and. And something this kid is the strongest able, child I've ever seen yeah. in my life. He's able to obtain something that I just found very far-fetched. And for Ethan Hawke and knowing throughout his entire career what that was, I just I just don't believe how the film ended. Its conclusion was rather quick and, and weak. And it there's, there's rumors of like a sequel if it does well, and it just makes no sense. It would be a prequel more than anything, because maybe that's how we would no. get an understanding of the grabber. But... But it's just, no, and also the grabber is the worst fucking villain name I've ever heard. Yeah, and they don't even explain the mask because he always came in in each room with a the, with a different with, piece of, of a mask, mask and like just, maybe his mouth no. isn't uncovered no. and his eyes are covered, or maybe his mouth is covered and his eyes are uncovered. Maybe there's a smile on the mask. Maybe there's no mouth. Maybe there's a fr- like there's all these different things. Nothing is explained even a little bit in this movie. So I don't. 
it's really kind of a harsh statement to make, but like, thank God we didn't get Scott uh, Scott Derrickson's vision for Doctor Strange too, because if it's anything like this, and how like ridiculously far fetched his leaps in logic were, and how choppy the editing style was, I'm like, I don't know if I wanted to even see that. They gave it over to someone whose style I definitely knew I could get behind, and they definitely reigned in. Scott Derrickson style the first time around I, for sure. I would say that I was a f- more of a fan of his previous film with Ethan Hawke Sinister. That one was more. So I, I, I've said that, that was more. That. I mean, it has an explain. The plot's very easy to understand in a way, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, I, I don't know what more um, to get out of this. I mean, it's, it's like you said, Blumhouse, they produce small budget films and this one already expand uh, past its expected gross for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make money and it's probably going to get us. A, a shitty sequel. The like fact that it's in that $20 million conversation is fucking annoying. <laughs> People pay to watch this shit. It's, it's, and it's, I, it is what it is. I guess it there happens. is this weird summer movie crowd when it comes to the horror genre. Oh, this is, I mean, we haven't really had, cause like I know I made, I mean, I made a, a miniature list and we talked about this previously with um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre podcast we did. Um, or, it been, or it might have been, or it might have, yeah, or it might have been X, but like we haven't really had, too many horror films this year outside of x scream this black phone and texture so massacre you can throw in some other films but their genres are more lean towards a different criteria that, that i would oh i feel like use. you're missing some big weird movie well like men wasn't sh- men wasn't strictly horror um oh but it was a horror movie it was it was not it was absolutely psychological thriller fucking ridiculous psychological thriller there's like murder Trimming. and a chase through a Psylogical haunted house. It's Psyloc- a horror movie. Well, then that would be my. Does Letterbox have horror on it? Yes. Does IMDb have horror on it? Yeah, yeah. it's a fucking horror. Okay, movie. Okay, so then I'll change my I'll change my listening to slashers. Fuck you. That works. <laughs> uh, fair. Yeah, that works. You're like that's. Uh, I would still say that there's like a slasher in this movie. There's a dude with a nice flashing at her. I'm just glad. In men. I'm just glad that you're still talking about men. Maybe that's what I wanted you to do out of this whole thing. Uh, well, I would rather talk about men than the black phone because there was actually a conversation to be had with that film. Oh, I appreciate that. I All really right. Do. Well, I mean, I guess that's going to be it for that, but we are going to move swiftly into our next topic, which will be the film from Baz Luhrmann, Elvis. And oh man, I think someone's beaming into the podcast via Star Trek transporter. Whoa, got just transported here. Well, I've heard you guys were uh, want to talk biopics, so I'm here to talk Elvis. Oh, wow, Johnny. How the hell? What the hell? How did you even? Uh, no, whatever. This is a, this is a <laughs> this silly is your bit. bit. This, it's this like, is you know what? You. It's my bit, and now we're not gonna, I'm not gonna fully commit to it, even though I'm still gonna put the sound effect. Hey, what's up, Johnny? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We have yet another guest for you, folks. Uh, well, Johnny saw the movie with us, and honestly, me and Johnny are big fans of the musical biopics, regardless of like some people across the table's opinions. Yeah, I wanted uh, to buy a week, but I was told I can't leave. No, no <laughs> sir. Uh, so we decided to have him on as well. Johnny, what's up, man? How you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Pretty, 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 pretty good. All right. Uh, so Elvis, I mean, let's let's just get this out of the way, buddy. What what do you got to say? Hey, I, I bumped my I bumped my my review up, my rating up half Did a bit. Did you really? Yeah, because we talked so much shit about Black Phone, which you'll listen to that. That movie was horrible. 
Uh, oh, I've heard. No, it's I've heard so... from several people, and I'm like, I don't want to go watch it now because everyone um, told me it's horrible. But like, but but Elvis, I mean, here we are. We're down this road again. Just like every year, you get your superhero films, you get your award-winning films, and then you get your musical bio or musician biopics. And in the likes of where we are now, we have Elvis. They're played, musical musician biopics. Play, play, played by Austin Butler. Uh, once again, a very touted role that everyone in Hollywood was going after. And um, Baz Luhrmann directed this film and he was going on the quick subject, like um, Harry Styles auditioned for it and he didn't, he didn't get it. And the reason for that was because Baz already said that he views Harry Styles as his own icon, like Elvis was his icon. So he didn't want one icon playing another icon. He wanted to kind of, you know, give Butler the chance to do that himself. And for me watching this film, I thought Butler was the best part everything else complete disaster that is a strong word sir complete 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 well i mean i would not say use it in a sentence i wouldn't say disaster in the sense because like not butler's fault but like the way they establish the scenes where he's like elvis and performing that stuff's Good. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not denying that. So that, but that's also, but that's also production. That's not just his performance. That's directing and like setting up a scene, which would weaken the production. But I'm not pulling it from from that. Like I don't disagree with you. His because Austin Butler became Elvis, especially once they like got into the later Elvis career and they were slapping on a little bit of the prosthetic and makeup. He like narration for we were looking at each other, being like, "Holy shit." This doesn't look like we, we were we were going holy awesome. shit. You're thinking it's good. I'm going holy shit. This is <laughs> you don't bad. think that, you don't no, you don't. I was in the sense that like how oh, he Butler? looked. Oh, okay. Okay. Because we yeah. we we had that moment. Well, it was like when he was doing the hound dog performance. Or yeah, whatever. and the blue blue. Yeah, he, he Christmas. He special. wore he wore the fat. The fashion was unbelievable. The costume. Yeah, the was costume un, design was very strong. Like you can't the, have it not be good and it be fucking Elvis. Right. I mean, right off the bat, I think this is capable of winning either like or not winning, but getting nominated for either oh, a ton of Oscars. Yeah. yeah, it's either a ton of be, Oscars or like maybe no Oscars at forgotten all. By the time costume design, editing, early, music early. design or not music, but sound definitely for sure. Uh, makeup. And then I'm thinking Austin Butler for sure. And like if the Golden Globes happen, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Hanks gets a nomination, <laughs> even though he was like god awful like can we talk about how tom hanks made a choice with his performance and his accent and the makeup he was wearing and it somehow didn't work even in the slightest in this film like i'll give you that dude tom hanks was in a whole different movie i actually appreciate that we were learning about colonel tom parker and the things that he did and specifically the things that he did to Elvis to that, to like stifle his career. So that's super interesting. I'm glad we got to see that side of the story. And that's what Baz Luhrmann decided to tell us. He spent like, dude, he's been trying to make this movie since like 2014 or whatever. Like the, he, this was his project after the great Gatsby. So he has been painstakingly like tear, like working on this project, trying to make it a thing all these years. And you even, dude, you either love or you hate his style. And I feel like <laughs> you either love or you hate your, his style, dude. Do you like not, you don't like his style? I, he's only, I've only been a fan of one of his films and that was Moulin Rouge. And, and since then it's been, it just, 
you know, there's there's a lot you can take away that you like. From yeah, but films. I don't think you like Moulin Rouge because of the style. I think you like Moulin Rouge because of the Nicole Kidman. Exactly. Sure, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that, but on this mo- motion though, Johnny, what did you think of Austin Butler? To kind of just stay in that realm first before we get into more of the cons, I guess. He was actually the one part I actually enjoyed of the movie. And I think Austin Butler did exactly what I needed him to do is portray Elvis, make him feel like he's still alive and be able mm-hmm. to like make a performance where it feels like you're watching him in concert. That's what I want from a biopic. That's why I appreciated like Bohemian Rhapsody and with, you know, Elvis is that they feel like they're still there. Like you're still performing. Right. We're getting no. more of what we love from this person who is now gone. Like that's awesome. And like I said, all these performances that they recreate or like kind of set up, nah, this is not one of the more historically accurate in the sense of like when these performances happened or what happened at these performances, but they definitely go through his career in the general sense. They go through like almost his entire life in this two and a half to 40 plus uh, minute movie. Um, oh, one time was brutal. Yeah. I, dude, I definitely didn't have as many pacing issues as you did. Cause like every time it you felt like it was slowing down. Two hours, perfectly fine. You sure. Agreed. Uh, there, but I, I would actually be down to watch the four hour cut that he's been talking about. Well, have fun, I'm but don't tell me how that goes. <laughs> rather, I just, every time else. it started slowing down and there was more dramatic and like scenes like where we're learning more about Elvis and his family. And then they you, have the more barely, dramatized stuff. You learn about his family though. They chop over it with like weak because, narration but, and they quickly go back into Tom Hanks. Because what, what I was, was going to say, as soon as it starts slowing down with that stuff, it cuts back to the main story. The stuff that Colonel Tom Parker is doing to Elvis and the performances and the things and the songs that made him who he is and like showing the king as himself. And like this whole movie is kind of like Elvis's career. It has some of the highest highs when like there you have moments like him in the blue uh, jumpsuit singing the or just like belting and then he finally like confronts tom parker and he uh kicks kicks he fires him i think actually they should have done devil in disguise i think he should have sang that at him that like would have been like a cathartic musical moment and i'm also pissed that that song wasn't in the movie but in that scene like we get Austin may be at his like best because he's playing elvis as like this pilled out drugged out Elvis, who's been thoroughly exhausted and ran through the ringer of doing the same show over and over and over again in the same hotel. And all he wants to do is go and tour and like go international and be that worldwide superstar that he know he should be. And he's literally trapped in this lifestyle and can't get out because of this other guy's debts. And I don't think I would never have known any of this if it wasn't for this movie. And I'm really glad that we got to see this side of the story as again, as bad as the performance that Tom Hanks gave was. I mean, it's fine that you are glad that you got this side of the story, but don't call it Elvis. Don't advertise it that it's going to yeah. be. Dude, a but lot it is about Elvis. Elvis. It is yeah. a lot about Elvis. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about Tom Hanks. It's Tom, it's, if it wasn't, it's Tom from Hanks his. It's from his view, but it is a Elvis I, movie. Here's uh, the thing, though. Eh. And I can't believe I have to say this once because I never thought this because I love Tom Hanks. There was way too much Tom Hanks to be an Elvis movie. Yeah, and his, he this, was narrating and acting. Dude, this and definitely should have been. I don't. I really Colonel. don't think it's not like there weren't scenes where it was just him for an extended amount of time. Maybe watch the four-hour cut and you might finally see what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, maybe there's more Elvis in the four-hour cut. Probably. So, yeah, my, I wouldn't I be know. surprised. My problem with the movie and why they, 
it's so heavy on Tom Hanks. It's like, this is about Elvis. This should be from Elvis's point of view. This seems like more of like a documentary where you're learning about the other guy and you're just kind of watching his little pawns play in kind of like to the, Elvis. But you don't even, they don't even go fully into that. They don't really show that, why did he go in in debt? He didn't show him at the casino gambling all this time. So they kind of cut that out and try to like, oh yeah, this is Elvis. So we still have to show some performances. We see a ton of performances. Like an an absolute slew of amazing performances. But the thing is, all the stuff in between it is like pulling from this different movie of like, Oh, watch how Elvis is getting manipulated. All that other stuff is Elvis through his career. It's Elvis at different phases of his career. And you're seeing the things we knew that happened in his career, but through the lens of Colonel Tom Parker, because again, this is something I didn't know going into it. I didn't know about this side of the story. And now seeing that and seeing that like he was genuinely being manipulated from day one of his career into like this spot that he ended up when like at the hotel that a lot of people think inevitably led it to his addiction and death because of the pills and his depression. Exactly. That that's all fully on display in this movie through the thick layer of Baz Luhrmann editing and lavishness and glitz and glamour and just boisterous noise. But like, again, I like that style from the guy. So like, that's not the issues I have with the film, the performance and the pacing, the performance from Tom Hanks and the pacing are what I inevitably have the issues with, but I still feel this is an enjoyable movie at like at the end of the day. Oh, like 20% enjoyable. Yeah. Because that's just what Austin Butler does his best at what really like the baffling thing about Tom Hanks' performance is like this film is what he got COVID from. And he, I mean, this could have led to his demise, which has been just extremely unfortunate. And then you get to see the film and you get to see his performance. You're like, you were willing to put all this on the line. I felt like there was nothing to really, um, it seemed like his narration was obviously for us audience to be like understanding what Elvis was, but I felt like Butler could have told us that himself by showing more, Elvis scenes outside of just him singing and when he did get to do that it was he was I mean unbelievable he, he did better than some people who have actually won the Academy Award in that nature but once again like this is what Baz Luhrmann does he he bloats his film up to where like the runtime becomes way too on you know unrewatchable where there's like oh there's a two-hour cut here I can watch that he did that with Craig Gatsby and he did that with uh-huh. Australia there's a lot of material that you can shorten and still feel like the same story is told um and it, with how what we've um little we've gotten to know about elvis and the not many biopics about him there was the one with john carpenter directed kurt russell which kurt russell haven't seen that one because that's also a three-hour film like you know trying to find that on streaming is impossible but it would be interesting to just watch that and kind of pull from comparison like where are we at because that one i watched the trailer and it still shows a, a couple scenes with parker as well and i feel like you can't tell the story without him but there's a way where you can at least tell the story where he's not from what we have said and witnessed where he's just seems to be the main focal point i mean it opens up with him and it ends basically with him uh aside from just a really nice no it, it ends well, with i was the, getting there it ends I was getting with a very final performance yeah, i was getting there yeah i was getting there yeah but so you it were ends. wrong it i was ends. correcting you no i wasn't oh. i was getting there it ends okay. with a really nice montage of like who elvis really was and like not just the butler's performance, but there was a really cool side-by-side where it showed 
Austin Butler on the piano and it quickly like edits towards the real Elvis and like it, a blink of a moment. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I thought like, I thought like and they're showing Austin real Butler footage. just melted into yeah. Elvis. They're showing real footage of Elvis yeah. and it showed and it tells you like a lot. Um, I think what the story was wanting to tell and it didn't. Um, I think this movie really has cool. no balls for any, for not showing him dying on the toilet. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it opens up where like he's passing out and with, with right. the jaw, like and his overperforming, and you're really hoping that it, it can get <laughs> um, it could end like that. But mm-hmm. that it's I think that might have just been the image that Baz like. Well, I don't want to end people on a more sad note because it was already sad losing Elvis at 41, 42, mm-hmm. and so like you probably don't want to watch a two and a half hour movie and you get to the end where it's just like he's he's passing away like not many people like like that in films i don't even know no like true biopic comes to mind where it ends like that that severe i mean almost every musician unfortunately passes away in the same nature and so i'm trying to think off the bat of my head which is which is like that because a lot of them are always on a more happier note uh, or they're just like early enough in their careers then they career. survived like that's yeah. the other thing i can't think of any aspect i can't think of any biopics where that's happened i've seen like documentary type videos where they've ended it that sad but not really but that's like, a, yeah that's a documentary i don't know any like biopics i think with what you're with what you're saying brett about how like this film could get oscar nominations rocket man came out in may and it barely got any recognition at the academy awards mm-hmm. and i think how far this one is being released in june and it's probably once thor comes out it's going to be pretty much forgotten about in terms of making money and maybe people talking about it and come award season we don't know what we're going to have so mm-hmm. i feel like you know putting money on the table i i want uh with this taking well, place I, in like Vegas, i said it's I either going to do a here. lot or not at all i think it's going to do not at all well and it's awesome butler is this, the easiest this this is the keen bet and we didn't yeah. we didn't really get that in, in retrospect oh i mean dude i i gotta disagree dude i think the like whole baz Luhrmann style was the like well watch more baz Luhrmann, you might see where i'm coming from <laughs> i just wish dude, that we got a little bit more of his family like life and kind of like you didn't even get they kind of the well, they definitely yeah they gloss All over I that know is dominic toretto is not going to be a fan of his lifestyle no, no. elvis <laughs> turned his back on family in two ways in that i think baz Luhrmann style pairs extremely well with get like elvis's more larger than life styles <laughs> like i think i think that that aligns perfectly with me like the the, just you look at a elvis jumpsuit and it's literally like if baz lerman was a piece of clothing so that makes sense and i mean it just yes it has the like it follows that standard formula of every biopic because every single rock star has one the same life what which part <laughs> where they're like how do we come up with the song they didn't have that in this that is true yeah. and it, it's always one yeah. thing that well, i that's, throw my chair across that's the, the other thing <laughs> that's because a lot of elvis's songs especially early in his career was his doing him doing covers of gospel music yes. and stuff like that and i love that they actually made an effort to talk about that and to highlight that aspect of elvis and who he was and show that he was someone who embraced this culture and respected it and knew that that scene that they had with little richard where he was like, you can record that song, but you will end that man's career if you do that. And that like is such a true statement of the time. And I and I like that they touched on the more dramatic stuff like that. But again, it, like it, it did feel like edited pretty choppily and like, like like cutting back and forth from like the more big, larger than lifestyle of Baz Luhrmann to like those little more quiet moments that I I enjoyed both. But they're 
they're very jarring. Like, like again, like Elvis's career, this movie had high highs and low lows. And so that's another reason why I think that like, this was a perfect representation of who Elvis was in like a film form, whether or not it's like a good structurally sound movie. That is another argument to be made, but I, I do enjoy the result. I will say, I do like that the fact that they did show Elvis it, like learning the gospel, like music, showing that because, like, you know, not a whole lot of people knew that. I did like a, that the fact that they did show him get blackmailed. Like, you know, not a whole lot of artists went through like what Elvis did of getting banned from TV, like yeah. not liking uh, his dance moves. Uh, could you imagine if Michael Jackson grew up in that same era? Right, exactly. Or he would like, have been able to do half Freddie of the Mercury dances. Or he did. Half the people like <laughs> today would probably got banned. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. I mean, it was like that. I do like that they had a whole scene, literally just like in Walk Hard, where he starts singing and shaking his hips, and these women are literally taken aback by the pelvic sorcery of Elvis and how they're literally <laughs> oh, you, like, you mean, you mean the scene stolen from walk hard? I just said, that's how I teed up this whole conversation, sir. If you were paying attention instead of flipping through IMDb, <laughs> sorry, Elvis has bored me to death. All right. <laughs> oh, to death. Well, go sit on the toilet about it. Or Elvis has left the building. I do oh. like how that's the, how the last line in the movie, like they didn't, they didn't do it the entire movie. And then that's how it like fades off into the credits. Uh, dude. I mean, I, I like I I like the movie. You guys didn't. I get it. It's fine. Apparently, there was a there was a scene shot where he met Nixon, just like how the movie. Oh Elvis yeah, that's Nixon. that is another part of his life that yeah. I am a bum that wasn't in the movie. But they literally have a whole movie with that starring my boy Michael Shannon, who is probably still my favorite version of Elvis. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. He probably could have done. He doesn't look this. nearly as much like Elvis as I think Austin Butler inevitably inevitably does, but. He definitely does the like performance. Well, really Butler's well. able to like bring off that hunk nature. He transforms, that, dude. That he Elvis like is. radiates the energy of Elvis. He has the attitude, the draw, the like charisma that like came off of Elvis as like this king of kings. It has he everything to do king. with us? Yeah, mm. dude. I mean, he is. <laughs> uh, it is. It's a hell of a performance. I really think it should get recognized. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna see him next though in in Doom Part Two, so more people will probably uh, get to get to see him. Yeah, great. Oh, more people than him as Elvis? I doubt it. Uh, if you put okay, I I get the sarcasm now. I <laughs> um, and so like with with that coming out, we felt like uh, it would have been a good a good time right now to talk about other uh, musician biopics that we found more enjoyable. Not personally our favorite. I guess this would be our favorites, um, because this one is my favorite. But uh, Johnny, as guest, do you want to go first? You want to talk about um musician biopic that is your favorite my guilty yeah. pleasure genre your, yeah well your guilty pleasure genre. Yes. yeah so i think uh brett was gonna pick uh my choice so i actually came up with a different one no he wasn't i can pr- i don't think i was he wasn't yeah because he so, he wouldn't have wanted to talk i'm about trying that to keep this podcast pod. civil johnny yeah he knew he he knows oh. better yeah like yes but, we could have <laughs> had the two-on-one type situation here but but that's know, a but conversation after, but after for elvis day. after elvis i actually like that movie now 
So I wow. think, yeah. I think uh, how the tables have turned. Yeah, your favorite. There, that that movie is full of your favorite scenes where they're figuring out how to write. Hey, and you know what? I I kind of wish we got that in Elvis, but we didn't. So yeah, now I can go didn't. back and watch that <laughs> film and get it. So uh, my pick, because I thought uh, this host was going to pick Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, I went with Straight Outta Compton. Oh, mm. right. I was thinking. Of, I was. Thinking I need to rewatch that yeah. one. I've been meaning to for a while. It's so good, and I've only seen it the once. Talk about a, a film's runtime that's so in depth, but yet you feel like it's two fifteen or something, it's right? It's like two twenty. Yeah, it's still it's yeah. a little bit longer, it's, but yeah, it's, but it's really well done. Yeah, and this one shows everything I really wanted out of a biopic. It showed like the life of every single rapper in the group. I felt like they took the time to actually show how every single person got there. And then they went through like their entire career, like all the backlash from like the police, mm-hmm. why they did the songs, how they came up with the songs, and then how like the group kind of broke up a bit. Mm-hmm. And I love how they went so in depth. I think everyone's performance is great. Well, the best thing about that film is you get a little bit of Lakeith Stanfield as Snoop Dogg, yeah. and <laughs> and how great it would be to get more uh, more of that. Oh, amazing, dude! All the castings, incredible, dude. Corey Hawkins as Dr. Dre and O'Shea Jackson Jr. as his fucking dad. I mean, you can't get any better than that when it comes to casting, and that is what skyrocketed his career originally. And then the name's escaping me, but the guy who played Easy E, who I think is Jason Mitchell. Jason Mitchell did really have gone down. Of I think he got canceled. Did he? I think he did. I think he got canceled for something, for something with the lady, which is unfortunate. But he was still, he's still, dude. He's a very, he's a standout in the movie. I think he portrayed Easy E perfectly, especially because Easy E is easily the most like character you're supposed to emotionally attach to and you're feeling for in the end because he inevitably comes to a tragic end to his life with his illness but the way they all three embody these guys and like yeah they're not actually rapping but the way they're like layered over top of the actual songs and the concert performances and the like the they're them them showing their battle against the racism and the police of all of like all these situations and when they're arrested in detroit and stuff like that like things that literally happen through their steps into their career it's super powerful stuff. You have an amazing supporting performance from Paul Giamatti because he is the best at playing the sleazy guy that works with the people in the music industry. Um, I mean, yeah, I, there's a lot to love about that goddamn movie. I got to admit. I honestly feel like this movie, I could be wrong. I feel like this movie kind of brought back the musical biopics. So oh, like yeah. Because I, I mean, I, was, I could be completely wrong, but I don't remember a whole lot before that like movie 20 2015 right yeah like i don't remember yeah, a I whole think, lot of like mainstream bio that could very well be the movie that like actually sparked the whole oh this could be a viable and successful means of making a film because i think it did pretty good financially so yeah. the other i mean it it made very well in the box office. It had a 60 mil opening weekend on a $28 million budget. So yeah, that's like the very first example of like, and something the studios can look at and be like, Oh shit, making an in-depth telling of the life stories of like very famous musicians puts butts in seats. Let's start doing that. Cause wasn't, 
if that's 2015, Bohemian Rhapsody is 2017, and then 2019 is Rocket Man. Well, yeah, but there, where you have your successes, you always have your failures. Uh, 2017 also saw the Tupac Shakira film that did not. Oh, that was terrible. Good. Respect, yeah. oh. respect didn't do very well either. Yeah, yep. I didn't, was not yeah. a fan of that one. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, and I mean, there was also, I mean, not to like spoil any of our picks or what more we have, but there was the just a couple years ago, you had the Billy Holiday film um, versus. Uh, oh sure love and mercy there was uh love love and mercy yeah uh, like i said before i thought you were gonna i thought you were gonna pick eight mile johnny and, mm-hmm. and then um academy worldwise you have eight Ray. mile isn't i can even technically call that a biopic that's one of those things where it's, it's like it crosses it's in between it's in the it's list. like it's sort of based on real life yeah well the thing with that one is is like you got the actual artists in the movie mm-hmm. so it's like I don't count that one as much as like the other ones because it's like everyone else is like not the actual musician betraying them. Sure. Email, it's like it's Eminem telling his own story. Sure. So, yes, it's awesome, but it's like, well, you can't really compare that to everyone else. Of course, he's going to rock his own story. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, you definitely, they definitely, with movies like Ray, you definitely saw that these movies could lead to award success and critical success for sure but i think you're right when you say that straight out of compton was the first uh, like instance of studios being able to look at these movies about like musicians biopics and be like these well, are financially viable let's put money into them and also yeah. more so mainstream studios because there right. were those that had the independent sure exactly and that wasn't going to get seen by a lot of people and so <laughs> movies like nowhere boy or like love and mercy those you're well exactly there's also right. i remember the the last days which is what the kurt cobain film like you haven't even they're not having yeah you haven't really even seen like a true nirvana adaptation but this one i, this one I don't that. know that i'd ever want to see that the, that would be brutal what i would want to see if they ever did a nirvana movie is i wanted to be let's first half nirvana and then go into foo fighters see i, I don't think they know that would be a dave grohl movie but be, I, let's yeah. save this because i did want to ask that question okay. at the end to see what kind of like who you wanted to see do we do you want to go next i guess so uh-huh. because well so i do want to throw out an honorable mention walk right. hard yeah is one go of the it. is easily it's it's one of the like i thought about watching it but it's just it's essentially one of the best biopics like music about a musician there are while also being the best satire of that same thing because it takes every single little cliche that there is in the like a, when it comes to uh, musicians rise to fame and turns them up to 11 and makes them hysterical and they're the cast of char- uh, characters and cameos is stockpiled with some of the funniest people in all of Hollywood and you get to meet so many people from history. You have musicians playing like is this is an honorable mention. Jack. Yeah, very much. Jack White as Elvis is one of the <laughs> maybe my second favorite Elvis. Shout out Blaine. <laughs> but anyways, my pick is actually going to be Rocket Man, a movie that I think did exactly what Baz Luhrmann set out to do without the like amount of obnoxiousness if that makes any sense, because this movie is larger than life. It is stylistically incredible. It is, uh, it's like a feature length music video with oh. almost every Elton John song oh. you've ever loved. You're ta- Oh, I thought you were talking about the one with Harlan Williams. Oh, I mean, that Rocket is my favorite Rocket Man movie, but that is not a musical biopic, my friend. I, 
you know, if I could talk about it, I would. I but no, I mean, Taryn. Not the I, whole dude, world. Taryn. <laughs> back to what I was saying. I was about to gush about Taryn Edgerton because I think he is as good, if not better, as Riami Malik or Austin Butler in their respective roles because I feel like all three of these actors truly transform into the people that they're playing. And it's the same thing with Taron Edgerton. Yeah, he doesn't sound like him as much as one would want him to. But it, this is one of those incredible instances where we actually got the person playing the character singing everything, singing every song, like every singing every song. Like we got Rami Malek, who, yeah, he lip synced through most of it because he very far it from saying it wasn't him. It was the direction that the right. It, it's what the it's what the character and the like performance needed but then you have something like austin butler where there's a mix of it where sometimes it's him sometimes it's actually elvis singing but this is like taron edgerton singing these elton john songs and absolutely fucking killing it the soundtrack is amazing the 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 performances are amazing the dramatic stuff is amazing The, the beats that they hit through another traumatic childhood and raising of another incredibly popular musical artist is a, once again, it's cliched, but it's done so well. And so stylistically you got Dexter Fletcher directing and he's someone I want to see more from in Hollywood, especially after he saved Bohemian Rhapsody for the most part, in my opinion, and then went on to make this, which is I think even better than the previous uh, spoken about movie so i mean i love it i don't know how you guys feel about it but like it was literally one of my favorite movies of 2019 i could i mean i've watched it like six or seven times since it's been out i just i love turning it on i love watching the different song sequences and it's again it's just like an ex- really exciting movie that i watch over and over again yeah i definitely like uh rocket man it's a good one i like the fact that he did sing everything mm-hmm. now i'm not going to take away from like certain people like of course not sing. why would you like, that would be an incredible terrible out or an incredibly terrible argument because it's like well you know with elton john he's still alive <laughs> i don't so. have to say anything you guys are can't keep your composure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was suggling on my yeah. shit, just like staring so deeply into your eyes. I was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, <laughs> okay, everything's thrown off. Well, this is your fault, uh, Johnny. It's yeah. when you come on the podcast where everything just spirals out of control. Yeah. <laughs> How about those Phillies? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> keep going. No, 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 Johnny. Just keep on, keep hand. it on track. <laughs> Pain. Um. <laughs> Well, if like Rocket Man, Elton John was actually, you know, still alive and able to help Tigger, I can't even speak now, help him <laughs> while like other artists don't have like everyone alive. So like, you know, straight out of Compton, you know, yeah, there's a couple rappers still alive, but there's some aren't, you know, Freddie Mercury isn't here. So it's going to be hard to like replicate his voice. <laughs> So I'm not going to like take that away from people, but I do appreciate that he did take the time to like learn everything. Dude, the soundtrack a, is And there's amazing. also the fact that like Elton John handpicked Taron Edgerton for this role. Well, he's also, you don't ever, also you don't, alive. Yeah, yeah, you don't also, ha, you don't really have that too often because of what you're saying. Like people 
have passed away. And that's why we're bringing him back to life with these films. But like, you, you have Taron Edgerton singing an Elton John song in the movie Sing, and then you have them working together in the Kingsman, the Golden Circle, and, like, they just build up this relationship. Elton John knows and is a producer on this movie, so they're like, let's get him in, and that, that's how he gets the role. You can't do any better than that when it comes to casting, when you're, like, having the guy who you're playing handpick you and have that much confidence in you. So that was great right off the bat. What I, I mean, what I liked about the film too, though, is outside of Taron Edgerton's performance, which was really, really, really good. Uh, they definitely like tone into the fantasy that was of Elton John. Oh yeah. Life, he's, I think that was he a is a larger part. than life character. Yeah, I think they did a great job at, at bringing that atmosphere and that representation to the film mm-hmm. um, that, you know, when you're making these type of films, you have to do something in terms of its uh, its visual representation to like stray from other films in the same genre. You don't want to make the same code for code film. Right. What they did with this one and just how flashy the costumes are in this. And as with Elvis, I think mm-hmm. it's a good connection that you've got to have in these right. films. And especially with the singer that Elton John is. I mean, probably the best, one of the best karaoke one of the best uh, solo art collection like, of solo recording artists yeah. of all time. And also he wrote like some of the best Disney songs of all time in the Lion King. Yeah. So like his career is incredible. And we, I, I mean, I'd be pissed if I failed to mention Bertie Toppin, like the guy who really helped Elton John become who he was mm-hmm. with his uh, lyrics and how he's played by Jamie Bell and their relationship. Like they show their bond exquisitely. And they also don't shy away from like his drugs and his sex addiction. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah. it's a rated R film. And like, they, um, they, I remember they were not going to get that rated R film. And so they had to cut a butt shot out of the movie because they were going to get an N or like an N7, NC 17. So they really? had to cut one butt shot out of Taron Edgerton oh, wow. during a gay sex scene or something. But that, like, that being said, they didn't shy away from any of those, like, more, like, uncomfortable moments. They really leaned into the real-life story of Elton John, and I, they, the style just is par par none, and also, I fucking love Elton John music. The reason I love these movies and this genre in general is because it's an opportunity for me to get to listen to some of my favorite songs from some of my favorite artists. So, like, what, what else can I, like, ask for? But Brent, let's let's go ahead and move on. We'll hear let's hear your pick before we go into any of those extra movies or any uh, musicians we'd like to see biopics of. Okay. Well, uh, so what I picked, um, you you might you might know it, you might have heard of it, um, but it's the, the I guess you can call it the adaptation of the musical artist known as Dewey Finn, and how he became. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. You're not gonna allow me. No. You're not gonna let me. Not, not gonna let me. Not. Not. No. <laughs> School of Rock. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I you say Dewey Finn, and I immediately knew what you were trying to do. I was trying like, to find the name of his band, uh, No Vacancy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, since uh, apparently I had to get serious here. Yes. Um. So I chose a film that I, I mean, pretty pretty cliche of me to to go with, but Walk the Line, Johnny Cash's. Uh, adaptation that's brought to life with James Mangle's direction and Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash and Reese Witherspoon is just the lovely June Carter. Um, she won the Oscar for this role and, and deservingly so. She did a really good job at playing the other side that is Johnny Cash and Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, we've said it, I think, a thousand times. Like, I mean, he's collectively one of our favorite actors that's working right now and he just keeps getting better and better and better. And um, in 2005, when this came out, like, I, I mean, 
looking behind the scenes, like they they brought together the vocals to play these two and they only wanted to do the film together uh mm. witherspoon and phoenix and if one was going to leave they both it was they both were going to not do it and so i i thought their their chemistry was unbelievable and it had to be uh for the story to be told i think this is the one uh adaptation that i can always just watch and feel like i'm getting what i want from it uh it's not too long as well like i felt like the runtime is is pretty well well put in there and we get a lot of just who Cash was outside of uh, the singer. And I think how hard it was that he was trying to make himself, mm-hmm. make himself a name and an image as well. You get a lot of the good stuff that comes with that. And like the music that he's been able to create some of my favorite and just as a, as a whole and as a whole within this genre where you get a lot of hit and misses. Um, it's still nice to, to know that like you can go back and, and watch something of your favorite musician. It's not often you want to, um, you know see a beloved artist of yours that gets made into a biopic and it doesn't turn out well um i i mean i know that this film isn't like universally loved but it's still well well reviewed and well received um just because like johnny cash is a very different type of um country music breed i mean a legend himself Mm -hmm. but but for me personally like growing up it was uh my grandfather, he he played Johnny Cash, or he didn't play. Yeah, he played Johnny Cash a lot. Yeah, you can understand that. Right. that start. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like the whole every. I mean, everything that Joaquin Phoenix brought to the character, I loved, and I think um, we in our film club we recently had that this uh, this theme, and this was the one right. I picked because I just will always go back to it. So no matter like how much I see um, more and more keep getting made, at least there are some that I know have been done pretty good beforehand i know i am very anti of this genre and there is so uh i don't know if you want me to go ahead and and go right into it but, yeah i mean why not but like i, I, I totally agree with point. you about walk the line and There's, that's another one that was like the first instance of like oh this is like a sellable thing this can yeah. get you an awards after like caliber sort of situation so th- right after ray exactly it's it's another one of those that steamrolled this whole revolution that we have when it comes to my one of my favorite genres but yeah let's go what what are like i got obviously one of the ones that i want to see is the beatles there's been like a slew of little films that have done uh beatles kind of biopic stories but there's never been a movie all four beatles going through their career their different side it's like their career they, they only lasted around seven or eight years in the 60s so it's not that much information and to see like the rise of their career, their touring days when they stop touring, when they like find the Maharishi and stuff and like go into that transcendental mode uh, when they go to India and stuff. And then their music uh, evolves to the way they does. I think that would be amazing. But a couple that I think that aren't so obvious that I would love, I would love a oh. Pink Floyd biopic. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, yes. Okay. I would love a Pink Floyd biopic. I would love Led Zeppelin. I would love a Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac biopic i think her life story would be very very keen for a musical biopic and that would be a tremendous role for a female actress to like take a hold of and really like do something great with sydney sweeney maybe (laughs) that's always potentially the number one answer to go to any blonde woman (laughs) well i mean i i mean i can't really like give also stevie wonder but that feels like a little ray yeah (laughs) um like with what he's saying, I have a list because I mean, this shit's just out there. But like, like I said, at the top of this, you know, we get one of these films every year. Like this year, we're still to get 
the Whitney Houston mm-hmm. biopic, uh, Naomi Ackie is starring as her, um, just a beautiful voice that she has. So we'll see if, uh, what kind of representation that film kind of brings, but we're also supposedly getting a Bee Gees adaptation, the Grateful yeah. Dead with Jonah Hill and Martin Scorsese. Dude, that, if that happens, that, that would be incredible. I have to, there's like a four hour Grateful Dead documentary that is directed by Martin Scorsese. He is like a huge fan mm-hmm. of the dead. So that is a project I am very excited to see. Um, there's supposedly, I mean, this one's been in the threshold for quite some time, but uh, Bob Dylan played by Timothy yep. Chalamet. Uh, there's also, that one's weird, but yeah. Yeah. It, th- it would this, have to be a med- that like the youngest in his career. Correct. Can uh, really age into it. And, um, and then like this one's been more new into the hour, but like Madonna biopic is gaining a lot of traction. And, and also, isn't there a Bowie one in the ether? Like there's it a came out already. What was it? Starstruck. Or, Moon, or Moon? Star Child? No, you see, yeah, Johnny Flynn played him. Or and Stardust, already, Ziggy Stardust. My no, uh, I think it was Star Trek. But but like uh, Julia Gardner's been offered. I don't know if she's accepted the role of Madonna, so it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's from Ozark fame. Uh, there's also a Prince biopic lined up, a Bob Marley film lined up, and a Michael Jackson. Lined yeah, up. I don't like love uh, the Bob Marley one. I need them to handle properly. Yeah, well, I mean, they did. I don't know if you remember, but. Um, they did a Jimi Hendrix a couple of years back with Andre 3000. I need to watch that too. That's, that is something yeah. I need to watch. Yeah. There's like I said, there's a lot of indie studios that have captured um, these artists, like even uh, like Miles Davis, uh, Marvin Gaye. Bob, or Tom, uh, we saw, I, I, I'm very Charlie interested Parker. in seeing a Leslie Odom Jr. Sam Cooke full feature. That isn't just him as him at, in once upon a time or once or what is it? Fuck. One night, Miami. one night, Miami. Yeah. Yes, I uh, a full movie because Sam Cooke has an incredibly interesting life and is and uh, of actual you know performer, so he can do the voice. He's already done it, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly, and he can sing like him, like no one's business. But yeah, there's Johnny. What about you? Is there any off the top of your head? Uh, you guys, listen Weezer, to- <laughs> <laughs> Weezer biopic, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, there was a couple that I have that you guys named. I love to see a Led Zeppelin movie. Uh, I think it'd be cool to see like a Dave Grohl movie where it goes from Nirvana to Foo Fighters. I think that'd be cool to get because I don't like, is there enough movie to just do Nirvana? Like, I'm not sure. I think that'd be pretty cool to oh, see. Shit that change there's also weird owl with Daniel. oh <laughs> yes and i yeah. couldn't be more excited but the fact that that's going to be hidden on roku tv kind of pisses me off true yeah but yeah i mean that's that's what you get here and then i have a couple artists like alive <laughs> kind of like handpicked i would love to see like an acdc movie where it goes from mm. like early age to now having to like use axel rose from guns and roses Guns N' Roses would be an also a good biopic to talk yeah. about how uh, they hate St. Louis and then they come back to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. No, and also, uh, shout out The Dirt. I like The Dirt. No, fuck. I like The Dirt. Fuck, fuck you. you. I like The Dirt. Fuck you. And then um, I would be cool to see like a Linkin Park biopic. Oh, yes, please. Well, there, I mean, as cliche as I am, but like there was rumors back in the day, a Frank Sinatra with Leonardo DiCaprio and a hmm. Martin Scorsese directed film. But that that's just because of how identical Leo looks as, as Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra, uh, especially with like the hair slick back. But I don't think Leo can sing. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't, <laughs> don't want yeah, to get uh, dangerous on that because I could you know, be a hypocrite in a lot of the things <laughs> that I've stood for today. But, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a genre that people come out and see, but sometimes it's more so your taste. Then, yeah. Don't worry, folks. Next week, yeah. we're doing Brent's Guilty Pleasure uh, movies as a theme. <laughs> Surprise oh, to you. I, I just I, I think that's going to be a perfect topic for next be. week. Uh, but no Jaws. Let's say that. We have to yeah. each bring a shark movie to the table, but no Jaws. For the no In honor of the best 4th of July movie there is, Jaws. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, all right. I guess we'll move on and, and close out the episode. Johnny, thank you for coming. And I guess since you're here at the tail end, why don't you give us your recommendation? So one thing for the biopic of movies out on the seat, because you cut me off. You didn't, Brandon acknowledged it. You didn't even let me finish. To pick one rapper that hasn't gotten it, I would love to see Kanye pick someone. Oh, no. Lord. Oh, no. I'm, Johnny, oh, I'm oh, honestly going to cut oh, this out because oh, my setup was so good, <laughs> oh, and that is the worst idea oh, I've ever heard. <laughs> the world could not yeah, no, be ready I for just that. Wanted I, to, I, just that wanted to, I just funny. wanted to disappoint you. That's fine. Just All right. But how about you actually give us your recommendation now? So for some great shark movies, because for No, not, it doesn't whoa, have to be a shark movie. And you and we don't actually don't steal any of our themes. Just uh, your your general recommendation. We just or if you have a favorite film that you want to throw out there. Yeah, something that you recently watched or something you want the people to watch. So some of my favorite movies that I recommend watching. If you've not seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I would recommend. Fuck. Was that literally going to be? I mean, it was gonna. It was probably. I mean, maybe just at our forty year anniversary. Well, then talk about it together. Double. You guys got to do. I I can change it. All right. Fine. 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 But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 2049. Yeah, I recommend seeing that. If you're a fan of the original Blade Runner, I think this one's even better. Mm-hmm. So I think it takes every great aspect of Blade Runner and then makes it even 10 times better with Ryan Gosling. Because, you know, how do you not love Ryan Gosling? I definitely agree, but I have not, I did not watch it. I wait, I think I rewatched it like before the last duel or something for well, Ridley Scott or something. Denise, I think you were you watched. Oh, for Dune, that yeah. that does sound like that is accurate. Okay, well, I'm gonna go with something a little bit different. Recently, I watched Walk Hard because of After Elvis. I was like, oh, it's it's time to watch that again. But then I also followed that up by watching Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, mm-hmm. which is easily one of the best comedies of all time. There's so many iconic lines and quotes, and it's hilarious. And it's it like uh, one of the best sports movies if you consider consider NASCAR to be a sport. But I just, if you haven't watched that recently, give it a watch. And also watch the extended edition. Like I watched the unrated version, and there were extra scenes of like really funny parts where you know when Cal and uh, is like da- like banging his wife basically and living in his house, but he keeps calling to want to hang out with him. There's like three extra versions of those scenes. And so it's very worth sitting down and watching that extended edition. So definitely go give that a watch. Uh, my pick for the week would be a nice little 90 minute comedy. I know Brett will appreciate it, but uh, I had the best time rewatching, rewatching, rewatching burn after reading. Nice. Uh, anytime I put this movie on my, my Chase's fucking favorite Cone brothers. This, movie. this movie has everything you want in a film that is trying to be like, it is intention is to be serious, but the actors know how to balance that comedy side to it. 
and Brad Pitt is fucking fantastic in it. Right. He's wearing cargo shorts as a, as a gym trainer. And no, I totally, think, I think it's just spot on. And it's one today. of those examples where the Coen brothers are doing the thing where they're like all of everything that's happened. There's so much going on, but it all amounts to nothing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the big Lebowski. It's well, it, at the end. It's, it, and yeah. that's expert writing at the yeah. end, because they're just like, all of this shit just presented itself. And all these storylines have come to, to together, uh, together and come to and, fruition. Yeah. And it doesn't, none of it matters. It's, and that's the best part of that movie. And then like the way that whole conversation with JK Simmons at the end is like, what do we learn? I fucking fuck all like nothing. What does what she, what she want? Just pay it. I need to rewatch that. I, I love the Coen movie. Bro- Do the Coen brothers are some of the, are just the best filmmakers of all time. It well, sucks that Joel's like, nah, never mind. Sounds like they're, they're leaning towards retirement, but we'll I mean, always have that one to go back to. I mean, Ethan's wife keeps fucking winning every award on planet Earth. So, like, why work? True. Well, yeah, then they they've, they have certainly on that topic cemented themselves in cinema history. So it's not oh, like they're missing so out if hard. they stop. Yeah. Nah, exactly. But yeah, that's going to be it for this week of cinephiles. It was a hell of a special week. We talked so what cinephiles. Oh, did I really say that? <laughs> yeah. Damn. You did. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to play now, that. Dude, yeah, now I'm going to have to check because I think I did say Sin Rivals. Cinephiles. I thought you said Cinephiles. You said Cinephiles. All right, whatever. So that's another week of the Sin of Rivals episodes. Uh, we had a great conversation. We had a lot of amazing guests, a lot of great people to talk to. Uh, the show's... Uh, TV Corner is going to keep happening with the boys, but like we did, Obi-Wan is wrapped up. And next week we got some uh, some good-hearted illumination animation to watch. So look out for that episode next week after the 4th of July. But for my co-host Brent and our various guests of this episode, Johnny, Harley, and Alec, uh, I'm going to sign off for this week's episode of The Sin Rivals. Bye-bye. <laughs>